It's great to have you here, my church family. Happy New Year. It's great to have you. You know, as I think about this new year, I think about how some of you might be viewing it. And some of you may be going through it as a crisis where you are thinking, how in the world am I going to make it through 2016? Others of you are excited about what this new year uh, represents. New vacation days, a clean slate. You can begin again. You know, here at FBC, our mission is really all about helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. And so whether you're here and you found him, we want you to follow him. And if you haven't found him yet, it's our hope that as you have kind of had a heart to kind of find out who is this God. I talk to so many people who say, I believe there's a God. I just don't know anything beyond that. Well, thanks for coming here. Because it's our desire that you would find that God has revealed himself in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus did everything you needed for a relationship with God. That you can trust him and that you can follow him with your lives. You know, I think about that and I've been praying for you because uh, you're my family. You're my church family. I love you. I uh, think about the role that God has placed uh, me in. And it's just an honor to be a pastor here. It's an honor to call you to God's word. It's an honor to see what God has has in store for us this this new year. And you know what? Each in, in this room, there are lots of personal profiles, but there's also a family album going on. And our personal profile has what God is doing in our lives right now. What's happening? And I think if I had some time, I could sit down with each of you, have a cup of coffee, and you'd tell me, this is what's happening in my life. Some of you would say, last year I met Jesus. It's the first time in my life. I really have understood what it's all about. And I begin to I began to follow him. Others of you have said, man, last year I lost my spouse. I lost my child. I lost um, a, a relationship and I'm really lonely right now. I don't know how to navigate through this. Some of you might say, boy, I've had a healing this past year. And it's been amazing to see what's happened in my life as a result of that. Some of you had a great victory. Some of you had a great failure. But we would have each have a profile and then we would talk about what God is doing in that thing, how he's using that, how he's showing us what he's doing and how how he's working in our lives. But you know what? As I look at it, I see even God moving in us as a family album because there's themes that we've talked about this past year, themes about getting unstuck and getting in freed up to serve the Lord and to, to follow him without any hindrances. We've had themes of generosity over this past year as we continue to make room for more people and we've given sacrificially to build our new expansion. And many of you, that's a theme you're learning is making life about more than just you, about inviting God into the mix. You know, whatever it is, I want to direct our attention to a prayer that was prayed for a church in the city of Ephesus. And it was prayed for by the Apostle Paul. And I want to direct your attention to it because as I think about how I'm praying for you and how I'd like you to pray this next year, I think this prayer is a great guide. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, open with me to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll take a look at this. And if you don't have your Bible, which by the way, bring your Bible if you have one, if you don't. We have one in the back for you, and if you don't have one at home, take it. It's our gift to you. We want you to at least have God's word in your hand so you could hide it in your heart. But Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14, Paul begins this prayer. Here's what he says. 
He said, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a great, great prayer that was prayed. And that prayer actually resulted in a church that let the gospel move through their lives individually, but also as a family album. And God did immeasurably more than they could ask, or in some versions of that passage, it says, or imagine. I believe that. I believe that God can do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine if we're willing to trust him in this new year. We all have our dreams. We all have a vision of what this next year could look like. But I believe God might be saying to us, that's too small. Why don't you let me guide that? Why don't you let me direct your lives and I will guide you into something even beyond your dreams, beyond your imagination. You see, I believe there's three things that God is calling us to. And these three things are actually what we're hardwired for. We were created for each one of these, to do each one of these and to be each one of these. And I want to share them with you. And I want to challenge you to make this year about these three things. First one is this. Each of us was created to believe in Christ. You may go, Joe, that's so easy. I understood that when I walked in the door. Why are you even sharing that with me? Because here's the deal. We're born into this life thinking that life is all about us. We kind of, if we're not careful, we can believe the lie that it's just about our will. It's just about our, what we can do. It's our capacities. It's our abilities. And we got to pursue that. And we become self-made and become very easily self-dependent, which means that we don't trust God. We don't believe in Christ. We tend to believe in ourselves. And so a change has to happen. We tend to trust in our feelings or our impulses that drive us to a life that's on our own terms. But it's away from God. And there's two things this passage talks about. Look at this. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's just pause there. I want to bring up two things. When you believe, you believe it's all about grace. It's not about your works. So this salvation that you have is by grace. And here this passage says, according to the riches of his glory. It's all about what God does. It's all about his inventory, what he gives and and puts in your life. It's all about his work for you, not your work for him. And most religions are built around what you have to do to get back to God. And I would tell you, you can't do enough. To get back to God. The scriptures clearly reveal that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that all is me. That all is you. 
So many of us think that if I just be good enough, God will say, you're good enough, come on in. If I'm just better than that person, we have real good abilities to point out the people who are worse than us in life. God never compares you with someone sitting next to you. He compares you to Christ. And for that reason, none of us, none of us have enough. None of us are good enough. Oh, and there's none who are righteous, the book of Romans says. No, not one. All have fallen away. We all need Christ. That's a gift. Jesus came in and by grace, undeserved love, God's undeserved love, he lived a life that was perfect for you. He died on a cross that paid the penalty for our sin. And he rose again on the third day to defeat the power of sin and death in our lives. We talk about this message so often because it's lost. It's lost in religion. That's why we have to come back to the relationship of love. It's by grace you've been saved. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works. So that none of us can boast in our own righteousness. We can lift up the glory of God. Secondly, it's through faith. We live our lives through faith. Now, what kind of faith are we talking about here? Well, it says in this passage, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want to focus on that, fra- that phrase of what it looks like of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. And therefore, I want to focus on the word dwell. What does it mean for Christ to dwell in our hearts? Well, there's two Greek words that talk about dwelling. And since the New Testament was originally written in Greek, uh, we can research those words and find their meaning throughout the New Testament scriptures. One of the words for dwell is peroiko. And that means to peroiko means to stay someplace overnight. It means you're traveling from point A to point B. You poroiko in a place that's temporary. You're just passing through. Don't stay long. Just remember, keep things packed. Does it mean for Jesus to dwell in your hearts that he's just kind of staying there when you want him to? Maybe one day a week. Maybe one hour a weekend where you allow him to come in and then you go and live like he's not with you. Well, that's an option, isn't it? But there's another Greek word. And that word is called, it's pronounced katoikeo. Katoikeo literally means that it's a permanent residence, that it's home. The tent pegs go down deep. You're there to stay. You're there to settle. You're there to be. That's the word that Paul uses here. It's the word that Jesus would be family, would be at home in your life. Not treated as a guest, but here to stay in permanent residence. Not a relative. You're counting the days until they leave. Happy New Year, relatives who are here visiting. It's good to have you. Faith is trusting in the person and the power of Jesus. It's making him your foundation, making Christ family, allowing him to move in, move things around. This is your house now. Here's the key. Here's my access code. Here's the remote. Here's the refrigerator. Here's my wireless access code. Here's my browsing history. Here's my basement. Here's my bedroom. Here's my life. Live in me and through me for Christ to dwell in you. It's his home. He's there to stay. It's not temporary. He's permanent. And we all want to grow in faith. 
We want to be people who are daily seeking and celebrating the presence of God with us. What could that look like for your faith to grow in the new year? For your belief, your trust in Jesus to grow deeper this new year? But secondly, it's not just belief in Christ, it's also belonging. And each of us was created to belong in community. Look what it says in verse 18. It says that you may have strength to comprehend. And here's the phrase I really want you to underline. With all the saints, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to fill your life with his love. He wants his love to invade your life and overflow into other people's lives. And he's placed you in a community as a believer, not for a passive role of just receiving his love, but a very active role for you to give his love, especially to the family of believers that he's placed you in. God wants you to be in. If you believe in Jesus Christ, he wants you to be in a community where you're loving others. And he actually says through the book of John that the world will know his love by how we love one another. We're fashioned, we're created to be in community loving one another. Now, our tendency is to be isolated and alone. Just the me and God thing. I think that's why faith is personal. It's just me and God. Just whatever you want to do, but me and God. I'd like to think that God is. It's our own little personal, you know, buffet-fashioned theology. But in reality, it's outside of the word of God. It's outside of the heart of God. How does God want to grow us in love? Well, he's put us with all the saints. That's how he's going to grow us in the breadth and length and height and depth of his love. What is it about all the saints that bothers bothers us? Well, it's messy, isn't it? The more people you get in a room, the more different attitudes you get. The more different perspectives you get. The more people aren't like you. I mean, our tendency is just to keep our lives around people who are like us. Because we love us. We want more people like us in this world. If everyone just thought like us, acted like us, was as mature as us, this world would be a better place because I am the measure of humanity. Now, we don't wake up saying that. But when we keep it just about us, when we just like little small little us and people just like us, we limit God's love becomes really shallow. How do we grow in the breadth, length, and height, and depth We welcome the people God has placed in our church family. And I love things about fellowship. We're not all the same. We're not. Some of us are really poor. Some of us are really rich. Some of us have different races. Some of us come from very different backgrounds. Some of us have just met Jesus and life is really messy. And some of us have followed Jesus for a really long time. It would be easy just to say, this is what we look like. And if you're not like that, go to a different church. But the doors of the fellowship are wide open for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. And God is doing a great thing here. I wanted to also tell you something really true about each one of us. We all have a veneer and it looks good. It's shellacked pretty well. But you 
scratch beneath the surface of your veneer in a small group and you'll find something's messy. I remember that one of my seminary professors would always tell me, hey, ministry would be easy if it weren't for people. (laughs) That's true. That's true, it would, but there wouldn't be ministry without people. So we've got to be open with that. And I think it's it's easy for us to be dissentious sometime or because we don't feel like people are as mature as we are or that we don't feel our people should be as, you know, where we're at. So we think, oh, we're just not the church God wants us to be. The church has always had believers, non-believers, and false believers ever since the church started. And so what do we do? We call everyone to find and follow Jesus Christ. Whether you haven't found him yet or whether you've known him for 50 years, God bless you. Welcome to the family. Let's pursue him. Let's find him. Let's follow him. Let's be an authentic church. And I think about that. We are on this faith journey together with all the saints where love is the guiding practice of our family. And church is a family of families. Not isolated, but connected. Words like brothers and sisters who love our father and love each other. And we need God's love to span the issues that differentiate and divide us. I love what John Stott says about this passage, that God's love has deep roots like a tree and a firm foundation like a building. Love is the soil of our lives and the solid foundation of our lives. And then he points to the cross, which the ancients would even look at that. The image of a cross would show you the love of God. It's deep in the earth. It points to the heavens above. It's cross beam spread out the arms of Jesus that as he died, it shows a welcoming and inviting of salvation to all the world. That's the cross that reminds us of the love of God. But we just don't need the love of God. We also need a daily encouragement. I love what 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says. It says, we urge you, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Those are loving words. We don't go to a a one-month-old child and go, feed yourself, have it, feed yourself, get up, get dressed. We don't do that. We're patient with a child. We need to be patient with new believers. We shouldn't say to our seventh grader when they go, man, I don't know if this is your faith or my faith. You just go, well, it's our faith. That's how we believe it. As long as you're in this house, you're going to believe this. No, don't do that. You come and you admonish someone who's faint hearted a little bit. You come along and you're patient. Why do you say that? What do you really want to believe? This is a key time in your life to figure that out. We've built a foundation, but you got to build your own foundation on hopefully on Christ, but figure it out. Seek God, grow in him. We do this with patience. Belonging in community means showing the love of God. There's two things I just want to talk about. You're grounded in love, Paul says, to comprehend and to know his love. May this be a year you go deep with God's love. And secondly, you're growing in it. That you're filled with all the fullness of God. Asking God to say, God, fill me up with your love. Your love, personally, my love, that doesn't work for the demands of today. Doesn't work for the realities of your life. My love tends to get even even when I'm hurt. Tends to get revenge when something's taken from me. That's not love. I need God's love, a different love, to invade my life and to go deep. And I need to grow in that love. We'll come back to this. 
But, but that's what it looks like. So we believe in Christ. We belong in community. The third thing that's really good is we need to bless a broken world. Look what it says in that passage. It says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or imagine there, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's kind of the culmination that the same God who's working in you, his glory needs to be taken with you outside of the church and throughout all generations, not just your generations, but the legacy into other generations and not just now, but for eternity. God is really about he's saying my plan A for the transformation of this world through faith in Jesus Christ. Plan A, the church plan B. There is no plan B. So be a blessing, be a blessing in this broken world. Each of us was created to bless a broken world. There's two ways we can do this. We can do this with the good works of God and we can do this with the good news of God. Let's talk about that first one, the good works of God. Now, good works, as I mentioned earlier, they do not save you. But Jesus said this, you speaking to the believers, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that others might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And here earlier, Paul says that your heavenly father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. How do people know that you have a good, kind, loving, but also righteous heavenly father? It's how you're living your life. Shows who you're following. Your life actually shows the character of God. Your words, your words promote the image of Christ or they try to project your own image. And we want to be a blessing. Every family, whether you believe or not here, you still have that concept of the fatherhood of God in your life. And whether or not you believe in Christ or not, you're still called and you're still accountable to live under the authority of your creator, God. And our good works kind of build that goodwill for the good news to be preached. The good news, the ultimate picture of the of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ ultimately is the glory of God. God becoming greater in your life. God becoming greater in your city. God becoming greater in your neighborhood. Here it says the good news is shown is to him be glory throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Blessing people outside the family of God is to show them and to uh, allow them to experience life the way God intended it to be. And here's my question. How will they know what it's like to find and follow Jesus if you're not living the beauty of the gospel through your life? See, God's placed people in our lives who don't know him. He's going to scatter you and you're going to do this. If you follow him, he's going to put people in your life who are far from him. How will they know about him? Well, you're going to love them. You're going to be a blessing to them. So here's the deal. Let me just summarize where we've been to this point. What if 2016 was a year each one of us lived what we were created to be? 
What if these were not weekly options, but they were actually daily essentials to believe, to belong, to bless? Eric Swanson is a church leadership guru, and I met him last month in Dallas. And he talked about um, how pastors complain about the three weaknesses of their church. And whether it's a church of 100 or whether it's a church of 10,000, all the pastors had these three areas of weakness in their church. People were not meeting with God on a daily basis. People were not walking with God. And people were not sharing their faith with others. How, he asks, how have church pastors tried to address these three weaknesses in their church? Well, most of them usually start writing curriculum that they like. And they set a high bar for people around them. They go, boy, if you really want to follow God, this is what it looks like. And it's lots of knowledge. It's lots of curriculum. And you just got to know this. Because if you knew this, then, well, the reality is they tend to set a high bar that very few people can get over. And so everyone feels the shame and guilt of not measuring up to the requirement of growth that they do. So he started researching. He came across a uh, professor at Stanford named B.J. Fogg. And B.J. Fogg uh, just, just dedicated his whole life to uh, human behavior and why we, why we make decisions and how do we keep with decisions that we make. And I, I wanted to share this with you because many of us are making New Year's resolutions. And this explains a lot of the realities why we make a resolution. And by January 15th, it's last year's resolution. It's over. We're done. And he says this, making a resolution, making a decision, beginning with a habit or pattern is related to our motivation and our ability to get it done. Now, um, Craig, I'm going to ask you if this makes sense. So stick with me and I'm going to ask you, okay? Not because I think you have a simple mind, okay? Just because I want to make have it make sense. Um, so when you make a decision for something, do you have a low motivation? Do you really want to do this? Do you want to see the end of it? Or do you have a high motivation? Okay. Um, like you, you have a great desire to do it. It's your passion. That would be a high motivation. But then is your ability. Is it hard to do or is it easy to do? And he built this curve and he called it the activation threshold. And he says this, when you make a decision, if it, you're highly motivated to do it and it's really hard to do, there's just a few things here. There's just a few things that make that possible. It's really difficult to have it happen. And so anything on this side of the curve that's hard to do with low motivation is going to be failure. Let me give you an example. You want to lose 50 pounds in the new year. And you want to do it by just doing it your own way. That's, but, but your wife tells you that. It's not your goal. So you're low motivated on it. You're motivated by shame and guilt. And you haven't been, you haven't had the ability to do it up to this point because the past is the best picture of the future. So you feel trapped. That's going to fail. Those of you who love fitness, man, I'm going to start. I've, I've done nothing up to this point. But right now, January 3rd, I will do 200 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, and two 5Ks in a week. You haven't been doing that. So you're going to fail. And you go, Joe, 
because you said that, I will not fail. God bless you on that journey. How's it working for you? But here's the deal. If you can make things easy to do, even with lower motivation, success happens on this side. So you're driving down the road and you're hungry, borderline hangry. And you see a Cadoba and you have 20 bucks in your pocket. That's easy to do, right? It's just a right turn. It's just give me the naked steak burrito. We're ready to rock. Here we go. You pay it off. You're satisfied. That was easy to do. So it's better when you're making a decision to do something smaller that pretty much you could almost already do right now. Because getting into each one of these areas is something that you already know how to do. You have the ability to do. It's easy to do and requires a a low to medium amount of motivation. Let's translate. What could it look like if these three areas to believe, to belong, and to bless were easy to do and, and, and they didn't require a ton of motivation? What if we couched believing in God where we would seek and worship God daily? What if that was the requirement? I will seek and worship God daily. Boy, Joe, you just took out the hour a day requirement that I've got to have with God, right? That we've failed up to this point. So that's why we have the journal. So that's why tomorrow we start in the book of Acts and you can read in under 10 minutes the passage that we'll talk about next week. And you can do it in a daily way. You can seek and worship God through his word. That's why we're not going to call you to 52 verses to memorize this next year. Why? Because probably 52 people will memorize 52 verses. But what if we said there's one verse this month that we'd like to really dedicate our lives to? To think through it. Put it in front of your dashboard for that month. What if we could bite and take smaller bites that actually more of us could involved in and more of us could deepen our belief? What if prayer became a priority, but not the five hour a day prayer that models Martin Luther in the monastery? Okay, what if we could pray the Lord's prayer that can be prayed in under a minute? And what if we were thoughtful about it? See, God, we can take a, make a greater movement and we put ourselves in an environment for it's more likely to build a greater appetite to spend more time doing this. You won't do it when you go zero to 120, but you could zero to 10. So getting into God's word could be a value. What about belonging? What if we could encourage another believer each day? Just one, not 5,000, one. If you could just think about someone around you, someone in your small group, someone who had just had a recent diagnosis, someone who's going through chemotherapy, someone who just lost a loved one, someone who's moving and taking a new job or who lost their job, and you just texted them two thumbs. That's all it takes. I've done it. I've tried. Even with spell correct, we have to go back and change that word that was morphed into something else. You can say... I love you. I'm for you. I hope you're doing okay today. I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you. Write them a note. You, you already are speaking. Already are speaking. What if you encouraged another believer with what you know how to do that's easy to do? 
It's already in your routine. What if you said, how can I encourage another believer? We need that. I need that. The greatest thing you can do for me is to pray for me. The greatest thing I can do for you is to pray for you. It's a simple one. It doesn't have to be a three-hour prayer. It can be a 30-second prayer. It can be a 10-second prayer. Sometimes the greatest prayers are, God, help them. (laughs) We can do that. We can do that. And what would it look like for you to be a blessing each day to someone around you outside of the family of faith? What could that look like to bless a neighbor, to bless someone who's working next to you? What if you showed up to work saying, how can I be a blessing rather than that burden that gossips around a water tank? What if you just showed up? I know that's been my pattern in 2015, 2016. I'm just going to think about how I can be a blessing in my home. How can I be a blessing to my wife? How can I be a blessing to my child? How can I be a blessing to my ex-wife? Those are things that we talk about that it's easy easy to just having life the way it was but one one short tiny little habit can make a huge difference so i'm preaching about this right how do i live by this so we flew back as a family went to see my my parents uh, out in california and we get back in friday night late at the airport and we were in the b terminal and because of overcrowding, my car was in the sea, buried deep in the bowels of the sea economy parking lot. So I run out. I all everyone gets off the off the um, the plane, and I do the let's get on the blue bus and get out and get the car. By the time they get the luggage, I'll be there and I'll be there. So I hop on and I go to the blue bus and there's this huge crowd of people. And I went, oh man, or something like that. It's not, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get on this blue bus. And there, and, and I jump out in front and the lady who's holding a baby goes, there's a line. And I went, happy new year. And I just went, to the back of the line and we loaded up like cattle onto this thing and there was so much luggage i think the last person someone from the outside went like this so that they could get in the bus and we're riding and there's someone next to me and they're coughing and they're covering their mouth please mom should have taught you that one (sighs) i'm gonna get a plague and it's gonna affect my life for the next three three months we, so we drive and we get to the B lot. The bus driver goes, B1. And this little lady goes, me. And her luggage was buried under all of it. She was one of the first persons on the bus. And I'm like, oh, boy. So I thought, I've got to be a blessing. So I said, how can I help you? And I went on an archaeological expedition. I found her luggage. And I handed it over people. And they went out. And it was quiet on the bus. We get to B11, and the lady, the lady who said, there's a line with the baby, said, that's me. And I stood up, and I said, how can I help you? And I took her luggage, and I threw it out of the bus. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. But I knew that would be more like Joe. That wouldn't be Jesus. And so I wanted to be a blessing. And I said, how can I help you? I got a lot of stuff. And she did. When you travel with a baby, I mean, you got diapers, you got wipes, you got a playpen. I mean, they 
brought the house with them. And sure enough, I'm helping them with it. And, and the last words I said to her was, Happy New Year. And she smiled at me. Think about this. Think about this. Why did God park me in C11? Because he wanted me to be a blessing. He wanted me to be a blessing on the first day of the new year. He wanted you to be encouraged that anyone can be a blessing in no matter what place God puts them in. And you could be greater than you could ask or imagine. Think with me. Think with me. What's the potential of just this room? This weekend, over 1,500 adults heard this message. What if we all, over this next month, just the month of January, the potential is each one of us and our whole church family could have over 45,000 connections to God this month. Just this month. Don't even worry about 2016 beyond January right now. What if we all belonged and said, I will encourage you. Do you know how many of us are one crisis away from walking away from the faith? And, and when you go through crisis, you need people around. Who's going through crisis in your life who's a follower of Jesus? Tell them you love them. Tell them you'll support them. Encourage them. You have so much potential in this room alone. 45,000 family connections can happen over this month. And what about blessing? We can bless this city. Bless this city. People who aren't here can hear the blessing of what God is doing in our lives. 45,000 acts of a blessing can happen. If we just did things we already were hardwired for and we already know how to do these things. Look at that. Don't you want to be that person who grows in belief, belonging and blessing this year? I do. I do. Let's take this journey together. And I believe God will do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine to the power that his works in and through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you can count on us. You can count on us to be a church that cultivates an environment where each of us is taking the next tiny step that reaps your huge rewards of belief, belonging, and blessing in our lives. We thank you that we get to be a part of your work. Thank you for empowering us to do so. For it's in Christ's name and for his glory that we pray. Amen.